Well, and now we come to the third horse of the 2020 election apocalypse, Puerto Rico statehood. Of course, this comes from this article in New Yorker that talks about the the four things that are going to happen if the Democrats win, and from a Reason article that says they're all four going to happen anyway. It doesn't matter whether the Democrats win or not, but things to think about in the outcome of the 2020 election. In 1890, a man by the name of Alfred Thayer Mahan, he was a captain in the United States Navy at the time, wrote a book called The Influence of Sea Power Upon History, 1660 to 1783. This book can easily be described as the most influential book on naval tactics and philosophy ever written. To to this day, it is still studied, discussed, argued about, and implemented as it seeks to define and describe how nations use their sea power to accomplish their goals. In fact, if you were to watch the news lately, you'll notice that there's a lot of activity in the Western Pacific, particularly between China and the United States. It's almost verbatim out of Mahan's books, book, sorry, he only wrote the one there, about, about what was going on and how nations can use sea power to influence the outcome of history. One of the things that Mahan discussed in his book was the United States was becoming a global power at that point. wasn't there yet. But he insisted that the thing that the United States needed to do was to gain colonies, particularly and specifically in the Western Pacific and in the Caribbean Ocean, Caribbean Sea. The idea here was he wanted these colonies to be used as coaling stations. Ships in his era, the mighty warships of his era, ran on coal. Coal is very effective at producing boiler heat, producing steam, driving the turbines, driving the the propellers, the engines. But it is not a very efficient burning material, and yet it, it does work. It just takes a lot of it. And so... Ships would constantly have to re-coal and constantly have to take on more coal in order to maintain readiness at sea. Mahan's idea was that by gaining these colonies in the Caribbean and the Western Pacific, we would establish coaling stations for the United States Navy to become a global force. In 1898, just Eight years after Mahan's book made its appearance, the United States went to war with Spain. Remember the main down with Spain? Spanish-American War resulted in the United States obtaining various, well, (laughs) colonies in both the Caribbean and, yes, the Western Pacific. One of those colonies was the island of Puerto Rico, which, to this day, is still considered a territory of the United States of America. One of the few that we haven't really got given back, I mean, or, or let go. To this day, Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. The assumption is that if the Democrat Party wins, that Puerto Rico, along with District of Columbia, will become states in our union, thus giving us 52 states and, frankly, messing up our flag again. But that's a story for another day. 
there's a lot of reasons why people would be for this or against it, but I want you to set aside the political reasons for just a few moments. Let's talk about reasons why Puerto Rico should be a state. What are some non-political reasons for statehood? Number one, above all, is voter enfranchisement. We've been telling the people of Puerto Rico since 1940 that they are going to become a state. We have asked them time and again to become a state. We've, we've said every political party, both political parties, have in fact promised that Puerto Rico will become a state and enfranchise their voters in our political system. They have a primary, but they don't get to vote in the, for president. But we keep telling them that they're going to. Both parties, as I said, Republican and Democrat, since 1940, have put it in their party platforms and in their State of Union addresses that Puerto Rico should be a state. For the record, Ronald Reagan was highly in favor of this, as was George Herbert Walker Bush. Republicans have long supported statehood for Puerto Rico. The reasons for doing so might vary amongst people, but the truth of the matter is, is that we've promised these people since 1940, these people, they're us, there's United States citizens, that they would become a state. And for one reason or another, we continue to drag our feet. Third reason is probably the least important one. The United Nations has long called for decolonialization, and it considers territories specifically territories of the United States, to be colonies. Of course, this fits with what Mahan said, and it's why they focus on that. We, can, we treat it as a colony, and they see it as a colony, and they would like for us to decolonialize. Whether that's a valid reason or not, I don't know. The United Nations doesn't really care whether Puerto Rico becomes a state or an independent country. They just don't want it being a territory anymore. I don't really know why they have that be in their bonnet. That said, there are some reasons why Puerto Rico should not become a state, and these are, again, non-political reasons. Number one is the income tax. As citizens of the United States, but not of a state, as of a territory of the United States, citizens in Puerto Rico are not required to pay income tax. They do not pay federal income tax. If they were to become a state... The assumption is that they would have to pay that income tax, and many of them are not real excited about that, as you can imagine. While the federal government might look at that, by the way, Puerto Rico would be the 22nd state in size. Is that right? Larger than 21 other states so uh, in population. So the, the potential there for a tax windfall is pretty good, except that there are some problems with that. And People don't necessarily want to pay that down there. And so this is one of the drawbacks to Puerto Rico becoming a state. The other one is investment in jobs. Because Puerto Rico is a territory, it is treated differently when it comes to corporations that move their businesses and their jobs to Puerto Rico. They get tax breaks and incentives that they would not get were they to put it in a state somewhere. Not only would the federal government reap some benefits from being able to tax those businesses differently, but states do too. Now, obviously, some states are more lenient about those things, and some states aren't. Puerto Rico has, let's just call it financial problems, and so would be unlikely to cut a lot of deals. 
That said, the general assumption is that if Puerto Rico becomes a state, many of these companies will just up and leave because they can do business cheaper elsewhere, which of course would hurt jobs, which would of course hurt income, which would lower income tax, which would increase the pressure on a Puerto Rican budget, which already has a, a, a pretty significant structural deficit built in for the last 20 years. There's also this element of voter apathy. Over the years, over the last uh, 80 years, we have promised them that they will become a state, and they were excited about this. Six or seven times the people of Puerto Rico have been asked to vote on this, the last time being in 2016. In 2016, Barely 25% of the, of the voting population showed up, and it was seen as kind of a rebuke of the United States. Why, why are we running yet another, you know, why, why vote? It doesn't count. Kind of approach to things. Why, why should I vote on this? They're just going to do what they want anyway. There's nine binding resolutions for statehood continue to be ignored on the mainland. And so the voters in Puerto Rico have become very apathetic towards supporting the idea or not supporting the idea, they don't really care, seem to care anymore. Or they do care, they're just tired of being told whatever. And so there's this element now that says, well, if the people of Puerto Rico don't really want to do this, why would we knock ourselves out? I mean, if they don't really want to be a state, shouldn't they have to do something? Well, they have. Somehow or another, there's a disconnect between Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico and nothing ever seems to be happening. That's about to change. Puerto Rico is going to become a state. My prediction, that's also the, the, the basic idea of what, what will happen in the 2020 electoral apocalypse if the, United, if, if the Democrats win, Puerto Rico will become a state, primarily for political reasons, but we'll get into that in here in a second. Why is it going to become a state? Number one, it has strategic value. Now, going back to Mahan and his idea that we needed these bases in the Caribbean, we still do. It is possible that at some point we may have to abandon Gitmo over in Cuba. And even if we don't have to, it's a very untenable position defensively. It's difficult to defend against a determined assault. Puerto Rico, however, belongs to us. it makes strategic sense, as Mahan wrote, to keep it. And it allows us then to maintain a presence, a strategic presence in the Caribbean Ocean, Caribbean Sea. So there's a strategic value to making that. If they don't become a state, they become their own independent country. Now we have to negotiate that with them. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. The United States has long since pulled out of Subic Bay in the Philippines, our, our Western Pacific base, because we, we gave them their independence and they don't want us there no more. It could possibly solve their budget issues. It's not likely, but there are those who believe that if Puerto Rico becomes a state, because of some of the ability then to uh, sell their bonds that they've been selling back to the United States Treasury Department, that they might be able to solve their structural deficit. Who knows if that's real or not, particularly considering the fact that uh, jobs, businesses might be leaving. Of course, the, the other reason is politics, and this is the main reason it's going to happen. 
On the Democrat side, they're salivating over this because they see it again as two new Democrat senators. The assumption is they would be Democrats. And being number 21 in size, that's a significant number of congressmen, presumably, again, mostly, if not all, Democrat. On the Republican side, the politics of this is even weirder, I guess, in a way. The Republicans have long promised that this is going to happen. And so, watching them trundle out there to say, yay, we're in favor of statehood for Puerto Rico in an attempt to kind of say, see, we've been on your side, we've helped you, even if they maintain the Senate, it's likely that it becomes a state anyway, sooner rather than later. Because, again, it's, it's a political feather in your hat. And I think there's a realization that just because something is, is completely blue today doesn't mean it always will be blue. And that's part of the, the presumption. What you may not know is that on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020, a little, little just a few weeks away from now, there will be an important election, an important vote in the United States. You may think I'm talking about the vote for presidency and Congress and Senate, but I'm not. The House of Representatives has already introduced, gone through committee, all this stuff, and scheduled for Tuesday, November 30th, 2020, a vote on Puerto Rican statehood. I fully expect that that vote will pass. I fully expect that that vote will pass fairly significantly with with a wide margin. There will be many, if not a lot, of Republicans who will vote for this in spite of the politics of the situation. They see the wisdom of it ultimately, and they'll vote for it. And so then it will go to the Senate. Now, the question is, when it goes to the Senate, what will the Senate be? Well, who will be the president? Where would it go from there? But the reality of it is that even, even with, with Trump winning and the maintaining of the Senate by the Republicans, Puerto Rico is likely to become a state soon. And that will impact the future. Of course, every time there is a new state, it impacts the future, not just the flag. 